Man. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you again. Um, old Pastor and I said it earlier, and Brother Kevin, of course, said it earlier as well. And uh, to me, it's a it's a privilege. I know to them, it's a privilege. And uh, can't can't thank you enough. It's an honor. It's a privilege, not just to serve the Lord. But it's an honor and a privilege to serve the Lord right here with all of you. And so, uh, please, I, I, had, I had some people in my card write, we can't, we can't express enough how much we thank you and appreciate you. And the gratitude is, is reciprocated. I don't know what to say most of the time. Uh, to grow up here and to grow up in this church and then to be able to to be a pastor at the church and not be looked down upon. Uh, the Bible is very clear. It's not without honor. A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, among his own kindred, among his own people. And that was my verse to not come home. <laughs> and the Lord changed that. And uh, to have it where I don't feel that way is amazing. So thank you. Uh, if you would grab your Bibles and turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, <clears throat> now that's done, I'm going to get preaching. Um, so, pastor preached a shorter message this morning. I've been trying to decide if I should just steal all the time that he left and add it to my time. Or if I should just let us all go home early, all right? Um, and just follow my leader and uh, go ahead and, and go quickly. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be extremely long or anything. I have three thoughts on this passage right here. And uh, hopefully uh, it'll be a blessing and a help, especially after the meetings we had with Brother Thren uh, and his family. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, I want to say, I don't know if I said it quite this way during the meetings, um, I thoroughly enjoy him preaching because he sees things in a different way. Pastor and I think pretty similarly, I think, when we come to the scriptures and what we see and why we see it, and just kind of the way that we're looking at things. And Brother Mark comes at it from just a different angle and a different look. And I think it is great for a church to get some people in that don't think and look at the scriptures the same way. They don't have that same angle. And probably the best comparative is you get to the Gospels and you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they're all telling the same life. They're telling about Jesus Christ, and they're telling you exactly who he is, and they're walking through, but each one has a different angle on who he was. And to get a full picture of who he is, you need all four of them. And without the four, you, you lose something in there. And so, praise the Lord, he sends people by, and they preach different than Pastor does. They preach different than I do. They preach different than Brother Kevin and Brother James and uh, everybody else. We, you know, they, they just have a different look, and they give you a better, a better glimpse into the Scriptures just a little different way. And so you ought to have that. And uh, he's not a Bible corrector. He's not going in there and changing things and being a heretic and preaching weird doctrines. Uh, but you got to see some things about our fellowship and our walk with the Lord that you would have otherwise probably missed out on. And so I appreciate that. And I say all that because uh, here we are in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1. He says, Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 
Uh, and we got talking all week this past week uh, there with the friends and about our fellowship and a call to fellowshipping with, with the God of the universe and being able to talk with Him and ultimately to walk with Him. Now, uh, there's multiple definitions of the word walk, but and you can get all sorts of things, uh, and I'm not going to get into all the weirdness of it, uh, but there's, there's a few definitions that I like. And uh, one thing I want you to think about tonight is uh, you can tell a lot about a person by the way that they walk. Uh, guys that were in the military, you can tell they were in the military just by what? By how they walk. Uh, you can tell guy, a guy is injured by the way that he walks. Uh, some people, you look at them and you say, hey, they, you know, if you knew their parent and, and you knew their dad and, and the guy's walking down the road, you go, hey, he walks just like his dad. Family trait, walking down the road. Uh, There's certain things that we can notice just from the way that someone walks that uh, if you just put him there, uh, Dr. Howe is a uh, pastor that goes chiropractor. He's my chiropractor. He's a lot of your chiropractors, right? Uh, sometimes, you know what he'll do? He'll just have you walk across the room in front of him. To do what? Just to see if something's out of place. See how you're moving so that he can tell something's not quite right, what's not right. I might be able to tell just from the way that your stride, the gait of your walk, the way that things are. Uh, you can tell a lot about somebody just, just from watching them walk. And so tonight... Uh, I'm going to preach on let's go for a walk. All right, let's just go for a walk, and let's see what the Lord says about what we should do. Right here, just in Ephesians 5, we're not really going to leave here outside of making some cross-references, uh, but we're going to go ahead and, and expound a little bit here in Ephesians chapter 5. So, Father, I thank you for the night. I thank you for the day. Lord, you're good to us. Uh, Lord, your mercies and your benefits are out of this world. It is unbelievable how good you are to us. And Lord, I thank you once again for bringing us all together. I pray that Jesus Christ would be high and lifted up. I pray you'd give us wisdom as we look at the scriptures this afternoon and that you would be pleased with what's said and what is done tonight. I thank you so much once again for your mercies upon us. And we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want you to see here, of course, is the statement he says in verse number 2, and walk in love. Walk in love. Now, one of the definitions of the word to walk is to be or act in association. Uh, who you walk with. Uh, realize, he says, walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. He tells him in verse number one, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Uh, it is indicative uh, to be association with God Almighty, to be in association with Jesus Christ, ultimately to be in association with the brethren, you better be walking in love. Walking in love. Be associated, act, show off the love of God. We all know 1 John chapter 4, like I said, we won't turn to all these. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, of course, verse number 16, God is love. That's who He is. Uh, now we know he's an all-consuming fire, and we can talk about all the other things, but one of the things that he is, is God is love. And the sad reality is that Christians, Bible-believing Christians, uh, you know, these, these weird groups out there have grabbed a hold of that phrase, and they just make it, well, God is love, and God is love, and God is love, and so they've perverted that idea, and they've gone to, well, God is love, and so God won't bring judgment. That's not what he said. Uh, but you and I shouldn't shy away from the fact that we have a God who is love. Uh, he loved us and gave Himself for us. Uh, the proof of the love of God is at Calvary. 
The proof that He loves you is that He would go to Calvary's cross and pay the debt of all of your sins. He poured out His love at Calvary as He shed the blood for your, for your sins and for mine. The price of our redemption shows up because of the love of a holy God. And you and I, we have, uh, we have God is love, and so we ought to be associating. That's who we want to associate with, isn't it? Aren't we supposed to associate with the one who saved us for all of eternity? Well, he turns around, he tells us repeatedly. He doesn't do it just once. He does it two, three times. In John chapter 13 and in John chapter 15, he repeats himself again. He says, a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. The comparative is, as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you, you're supposed to forgive, and as Christ gave His life for you, you ought to love. You ought to lay down your life for the brethren. That's the love that we're supposed to give. And it's not done by, oh, you know, well, I don't feel like it. It is a commandment. The command is to love. So then the choice is yours if you're going to walk in love. But you were commanded to. You're commanded to love. You and I go ahead and, and, like I said, I don't want to take long tonight. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we all know the chapter, right? Uh, I would think, right? It's on charity. It's the love of God shown. Well, if you have all these things and you have not charity, I'm nothing. That's the descriptor. I'm sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I am nothing. I am nobody. It doesn't matter if I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge. It doesn't matter if I can say all these words in an unknown tongue. It makes no difference. None of it matters. What doesn't matter? Anything else if you don't have any charity. If you don't have any love for anybody, what difference does it make? He ends the chapter with saying, uh, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. And the greatest of these is charity. It is the enduring factor that you and I have, that you and I will always have, is the love of God. Faith becomes sight, hope gets attained, but the love of God is supposed to continue to be shed abroad in our hearts. It's up to you. You realize that when you get to the book of Matthew, chapter 22, the Lord is there, right? And the question gets asked, what is the greatest of the commandments? And the Lord says, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Say, so what hangs off of those? Uh, everything that you and I know and believe and have to follow? It hangs off of loving God and loving your neighbor. You fulfill those two things, you know what you'll do? You'll fulfill everything you're supposed to do. Later in this chapter, we're supposed to esteem and be in submission. We're supposed to esteem the other, and we're supposed to be in submission one to another. But we don't like that idea. You say, why? Because we don't like that idea, because that means that we're put down. And Yeah, but that means you're going to love somebody else more than you. Isn't that what Christ did? He set his own needs aside. He set his own wants and desires aside to go to the cross of Calvary to give his life for you. He says, walk in love. Uh, that, is, that is the choice, the act of being in association with God. I want to live like he lives. I want to walk and be associated with him. 
You know what he said about it in, uh, in John chapter 13? He said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Indeed, if ye have love one toward another. So we walk in love. To do what? To go ahead and show off that we walk with him. We're his disciples. We do it his way. Would you be willing to love? Even folks who are unlovable like you were? You were unlovable. I know you got it all together now. There was a day you were unlovable, that nobody should have loved you, nobody should have cared about you, nobody should have, and no man cared for my soul. Yeah, but there was a Savior who did. And maybe there's somebody out there, and you're thinking of them right now, and you go, man, I didn't love on them at all. And now look at them. Because we didn't have love. We could fulfill all the law if we just go ahead and figure out how we're supposed to love. To be selfless in our love. To speak the truth in love. To go ahead and give ourselves as opposed to going ahead. The more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved, Paul says. doesn't matter if you're loved less. How do you love? In the marriage, does it matter? Does it matter if the wife goes ahead and loves the husband? Or does the husband still have to love the wife? And vice versa. It's not, it's not a conditional thing where you go, well, they didn't love me right, so I don't have to love them anymore. It's not how it's supposed to be. Christian, your brothers and sisters are, are here. Some of them aren't able to be here. Do you love them? Do you walk in love? Do you find a way so you can help them so that they can succeed? Too many times we find people are torn down because of their failures as opposed to being attempted to be restored with a loving heart to try and see them come back. Would you love? Would you walk in love? Notice what it said about it. As Christ also had loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. You know what I find? I find that if you'd be willing to give, and, and you'd be willing to give of yourself to go ahead and make it happen, and you're willing to give your love, you know what you'll do? You'll be a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. Brother Thren said it pretty well. Uh, it's not an obligation sacrifice that becomes a sweet-smelling savor. It's the offering that is voluntary. Would you be willing? To find a way that you could give so that your Savior could have a sweet-smelling savor come up before Him? Walk in love. That's not the only thing He tells us to do. I'm not going to read the whole chapter just for the sake of time. But He starts in verse number 3 and He starts talking about all these sins. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, and so on. And He tells them down in verse number uh, Seven, he says, Be ye not therefore partakers with them. All those wicked sins that he was talking about. Be not therefore partakers with them. Verse number eight, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Say, so what's he telling them to do? He's telling them, hey, how about you walk as children of light? Uh, second definition of 
walk, there's more than this, but a second definition is uh, characteristic manner of walking. I say, what does that mean? That means as you look at them, you go, well, they walk just like their father walks. They walk like they're in the military. They walk like, I was mentioning it earlier, right? Uh, they walk like this. They walk just like so-and-so. So what is he doing? Walk as children of light. Amazingly enough, God is light, 1 John chapter 1, and in Him is no darkness at all. Hey, you're not supposed to be part of those unfruitful works of darkness. All the fornication and the covetousness and the uncleanness and all those things and the the filthy communications and the filthiness of uh, what they do, you're not supposed to be part of that. There's an entire world that you aren't supposed to get sucked into and be a part of. There's an entire world that you're not supposed to be walking around what they walk around. Now, obviously, we're in a world, but you don't have to go in places where you don't need to go. There's there's no reason to be going into the bars and the casinos and going over into all these other places where you know that all the wickedness is going to happen. What's the point of going there? None of that stuff needs to be there. Why are you walking in with the world? You're supposed to walk as children of light. Would the Lord see fit to have you walking in there? Is that where He'd go? Are you walking with the rest of them? Well, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, what do we get? We get fellowship. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we can have it. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can have forgiveness of sins. We can have fellowship with God. But why is it that we have to walk in darkness for so long before we figure out we're in the dark? When we're supposed to just walk as children of light. You know, it's a whole lot easier in our lives to not walk around in darkness and just stay in the light. You heard it from Brother Thren. Be holy, for I am holy. He wants us to be holy. That's echoed in 1 Peter, right? 1 Peter chapter 1. As is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. The Lord wants us to be holy for fellowship purposes. You know, it doesn't look so good when you walk terribly and then someone finds out you're supposed to be a child of light. That's not a very good testimony for a lost world. You know what the Lord wants to do? Look down at verse number 27 of this chapter. He's talking about the Christ giving His life for the church in verse 25. That He might sanctify and cleanse it in verse number 26. Verse number 27, that He might present it unto Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know what's becoming of saints? You know what looks good as someone who's walking as a child of light? It looks good to not do all those things the rest of the world does. You know, the world wants you to think a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, do things a certain way, constantly is berating you into thinking the way they want you to think, and then God goes, I don't want you to think like them at all. 
world has their, their thoughts and their ideas and their, all the things they try to put in your way. And then when someone gets up and says something otherwise, it amazes me that Christians are like, wait, what? And you go, I just told you what the Bible said. Uh, the world is trying to condition an entire world to be afraid. Afraid of everything. They want you to be in constant fear. And the Lord looks at you and He says, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The world goes, no, no, you need to be afraid of everything. You can't know how to be safe, so you've got to do all these things to be safe. And the Lord says, yeah, but safety is of the Lord. If it weren't for His mercies, you and I would be consumed either way. And He'll use whatever He feels like to get you, if He wanted to. He doesn't need to do anything special. You know what He has to do? Just stop thinking about you for half a second. And when your molecules all just explode, then it, that's it. He's done. He didn't have to work hard to get rid of anybody. I was doing a, a funeral on Monday last week, and uh, some of that crowd is little rough crowd, and I made the statement because I'd heard some of them say it before. Oh, man, I'd, I'd come to church, but that place would burn to the ground if I walked in. And so I said, uh, I think it's funny that people say that. Why would God waste a perfectly good church when he could wreck you in a car? He's not burning a perfectly good church down just to get you. Why would he waste it? If he wants you gone, you're gone. But a world doesn't figure that out. Why is it that Christians don't figure that stuff out? Why do they have to be convinced that they're supposed to do the right thing every time, regardless of what anybody else thinks? Why is it that when you look down that list of things, uh, you realize that all those things that he lists over and over and over again, the world tries to make you think are perfectly fine? They want to make the unclean clean. And they want to make the clean profane. Say, so what do you do? You walk as children of light. You follow what the Lord gives you. You realize that the Word of God is the lamp onto our feet and light onto our path. You walk in its precepts, you know what you'll get? You'll get light on the path. And you'll arrive safely. If you'd let it lead you. If you'd let Him lead. Now look at, uh, we're going to keep going. Because if I don't keep going, I'm going to keep going. All right? So we're going to move. Verse number 14. Notice what he says. He says, wherefore he saith, because of all the things he just said, right? He just said, walk in love, walk as children of light, because he doesn't want you to live like the world, he wants you to do things a different way. He says in verse number 14, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What does he tell them? He tells them, walk circumspectly. 
Circumspectly means that you're paying attention. That's, that's pretty much the easiest way to describe circumspectly. You're paying attention. You're looking all around you to be sure of what you should do or should not do. If you're outside and you're walking out like Brother Larry was, and his wife says, hey, get Abby off the rock pile, and you're standing literally on the edge of the rock pile, and you say, what rock pile? I told Brother Larry this is just for him right here. Uh, you're not walking circumspectly. Uh, you didn't notice your daughter is on the top of the pile, and it's not going to go well here in about a second. Uh, and so you say, what's the problem? The problem is if we don't walk circumspectly, you and I miss a lot of things. Uh, I'm going to get to it here in just a moment, but how many, how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have missed an opportunity to witness and known it? And you go, oh, if I'd have been paying attention, I'd have gotten that. How many of you have missed an opportunity just to give somebody a gospel track that you knew I should have given that one out? How many of you have missed the opportunity to do something right and instead you did it the wrong way and you knew better? It wasn't just ignorance. It wasn't just, well, I didn't know what to do. It was you literally just chose to do the wrong thing and you had an opportunity to do it right and you could have succeeded greatly. How many times have you been in the place where you realize uh, that there is a way to escape that you may be able to bear the temptation you have and you didn't take it? And you regret it over and over again. How many mistakes have we made, right? I don't want to, I don't want a number because there's too many. All of us, me included. We miss things. So why do we miss things? We miss things because we're not walking circumspectly. We're not walking as wise. Instead, we're really walking pretty foolish. And we look foolish. We feel foolish. Notice what he says about it. Number one, he says, Awake thou that sleepest. So I'm going to give you some things. Oh, I didn't give you my definition for walk for this, by the way. This is to pursue a course of action or a way of life. You know what your way of life ought to be? circumspectly. It ought to be just how you are, looking around all the time and ready to do whatever he asks you to do right on time. And so here he is. He says, what do you got to do? Well, number one, awake thou that sleepest. You got to get conscious. <laughs> this is a good one for right now. We've all had lunch. It's a little warm in here. I'm ready for a nap. You're ready for a nap. Maybe some of you have taken a nap. I don't know. I'm trying not to pay attention if you did. Uh, it's all right. It's all good. Uh, but, you know, the truth is, what normally happens to us, we're just, in a, we're just in our zone and we're daydreaming. We're a little asleep. You know what he says? Wake up already. Uh, you realize that you aren't walking circumspectly when you're half asleep. We need, to get, we need to snap out of it and wake up. We need to get conscious. We need to start looking and actually be awake and alert. Alert. Being able to pay attention to look around. Because if you're not alert, you're going to have a problem. You're going to miss something. How many times, uh, you know, I've driven a lot of miles. I put a, lot, I put a lot of miles on this week. I put on a lot of miles. Uh, you get a little drowsy, you get a little tired driving right, and you get into that zone. 
that tunnel vision, right? And you get driving. I've done a lot of driving in my life now already. Uh, Nova Scotia and back is a long drive. Uh, I've done that plenty. Uh, right? You get driving, you get on the road for long enough, and you know what you get? Tunnel vision. You're looking, you're looking down the road, and that's it. That's all you're focused on. And every once in a while, out of the corner of your eye, you finally you saw that deer just off the edge of the road, and you think, oh, praise the Lord he didn't move. Praise the Lord that doe stayed in the ditch. Praise the Lord that was not even. Thank you, Lord. I did not know that was coming, and I didn't see it until the last moment. And if that would have gone my way, that would have been over with. That's how you live your Christian life. That's not circumspectly. You're not awake. Wake up and recognize, Pastor was preaching about it this morning. You and I are in a spiritual warfare, and things are serious, and they are dangerous. And you and I are looking to Jesus Christ, and we're trying to finish our race, and we're trying to get things done, and we're trying to do it the right way. And you know what you get? You get Christians who aren't paying any attention, and they wonder why the devil devours them. Why he can come in and just wreak havoc in their life. Because they're not awake enough to figure out that he's showing up. They're sleeping on the job and then they find out, oh, all these things happen and it's too late. Awake, thou that sleepest. Get up, or get conscious. And then he says, arise. (laughs) Arise from the dead. Get up. Don't just get conscious and lay there in bed any longer. Get up. Get out of bed already. Uh, Get standing. It's amazing to me how many times when the Lord healed somebody, He said, arise. 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 Why? Because you're just going to stay. How many of you love the snooze button? Don't raise your hand too high. Amen. Right? You hit the snooze button, and what do you do? You hit the snooze button. Why? So you're awake, but you can lay there just in case you can fall asleep and catch a few more minutes. The Lord says, hey, wake up. And the Christian wakes up and they go, yeah, but if I could just lay here a couple more minutes. The Lord says, no, you're awake. How about you get up now? Get up. You know, laying down, you don't see a whole lot. How can you walk circumspectly when you're laying down? It's a whole lot easier to be circumspect if you're standing up and looking. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Get some light. It's hard to see in the dark. How can, how can you walk circumspectly if you don't have any light on the subject? So how do you get light? Open the pages of the Bible. Wake up. Get up and grab a Bible. Get some light. Find out some things. Say, why? Because in a moment, he's going to tell you to be wise. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Well, how do I get wisdom? What's he talking about wisdom? What's he talking about being wise? Look what he says in verse number uh, 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what... The will of the Lord is. Well, then being wise is understanding what the will of the Lord is. Being wise is being able to determine, hey, God wants me to do this, and this is what I should do, and so I'm going to do what God told me to do. Being wise is understanding what the will of the Lord is. 
Now, maybe that isn't the grand scheme and you're going to go into the ministry or anything like that. Uh, maybe it's just very simply what you're doing right now. What you're doing today. Now, I think the Lord has a plan. He's got a perfect plan for you. He's got it all set up. He wants you to do a certain thing. He wants you to go a certain direction. By the way, the best preparation for tomorrow is to do what you're supposed to do today. You finish today where you're supposed to, you'll start tomorrow right where you're supposed to. Our problem is, uh, the world. we look at a life and we go, well, you know, I, just, I want the will of God for the next 20 years. What's my 20-year plan? <laughs> Lord goes, if I told you what you're going to be doing in 20 years, you wouldn't be here. So I'm not going to give you that. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Sometimes it's just day by day. And he starts giving you glimpses of what he could have. He opens the door and He moves and He lets you do the things that you should do today and you get a glimpse all the way out sometimes. But the truth is, most of the time, all He wants you to do is redeem the time because the days are evil. Too many Christians are sleeping and they're fools because they don't want to walk circumspectly. They like to stay right where they are and they like, they like a little slumber a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to sleep. And so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth in thy want as an armed man. But this time it's spiritual want. And you'll get to Revelation chapter 3. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with thy salve. As many as I love I rebuke and chasten. He's going, you're poor and you don't even know it. Because you're sleeping on my job. You may be great with finances in this life, but your eternal finances are garbage. Because you've chosen not to invest in the right place. And you won't redeem the time. You won't buy it back. You know what I like about a lot of times you get somebody who's saved later in life, you know what they realize? They realize I wasted all this time before I got saved. And now we look at their life and they change. And they go all out and they try to do everything they possibly can and they try to grow as quickly as they can and they try to give as much as they can. And then they look at somebody like me and we look back and we go, how much time did I waste after I got saved? Because I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I didn't redeem the time when I was younger and I, had, I was spoiled. I had everything I needed. And I knew better. And people know better. You know what? Uh, the sad truth is that some people, uh, they, they go, well, I've done my part and I've done enough and now I can sit down and I can be totally done and I never have to do anything ever again. I don't really see that anywhere. Now, your ministry may change. What you do may change. You may slow down. You may change what you do. But just to be done? I don't see it. You may not do all the things you did before because age and all the, all the pieces, and we understand that. But the truth is, you're walking circumspectly. You're looking around, and the Lord says, hey, you can slow that one up right there. And maybe you'll set some things down and hand them to somebody who's behind you who can take them for today. That's, that's, the, job, that's the job of what we do. We're supposed to train the next generation to do what we do and to do it better than we've ever done it so that they can be better than we were. 
so that we can go ahead and hand it to them and go, okay, I know it's in good hands. I am going to just stand here and I'm going to help you now do what needs to be done. But that doesn't eliminate the idea that you're supposed to walk circumspectly and still redeem the time, no matter how much time is left. There's work to be done. And you know the best workers are going to be those that are going to walk in love and walk as children of light because if they can do those things, you know what they'll be? They can walk circumspectly. They'll be wise. They'll understand what the Lord is. You know what they won't do? They won't miss the opportunities they could have. We kick ourselves for being foolish enough to not recognize the times when we could have done something great for the Lord. The times when we could have just slid that witness in and that doorway was there and we had just that little opening. And sometimes that's all we get is just that little opening. And Lord says, I gave you a shot. Sometimes we look and we go, hey, I, I could have gotten out of that temptation. I didn't have to fall this time. I saw the doorway and I didn't walk through it. I didn't take the exit I was supposed to take. So what do you do? Learn from it. Wake up. <laughs> Arise and go, I don't have to do that twice. I'm, I'm going to walk circumspectly today. I don't have to do what I did yesterday. I don't have to do what I did 10 minutes ago. I can go ahead and I can be a child of light and I can go ahead and I can get my forgiveness and I can start walking with the Lord again. I can start walking the way He wants me to walk. I can love people and go ahead and get the forgiveness that I need but also extend that forgiveness because I know how much they are going to mess up just like I mess up and I'm going to be long-suffering and kind, gentle. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do because I'm looking around for an opportunity. You realize there's an opportunity to love some folks. And if you'd walk circumspectly, you know what you could be? You could be one that walks in love and redeems the time. Let's go ahead and stand. Simple message tonight, nothing real fancy, nothing complicated. But your life... You're just out for a walk. And tonight, let's go for a walk. Let's walk in love. Let's walk as children of light. And see then that you walk circumspectly. Look around. Pay attention. Take the opportunities He gives you. So that He can get all the glory He deserves. Will it be tonight? Father, I thank You for the night. I thank You. Lord, You're good to us. Father, I thank You that You forgive us when we fail You so often to not walk the way we're supposed to walk. And I pray you'd help us and forgive us. Father, help us to do better tomorrow. And Lord, we pray you would just bless the invitation now. Father, help us to do what you ask in Jesus' name. Amen.